Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Hello, everyone. This is a special edition of the Hazard Girls podcast. We have a unique setup today. Instead of me being the sole host, I'm here with two co-hosts. First, we've got Blair Frazier, Director of Global IIoT Solutions for UE Systems. He is a co-founder and advisor to many tech companies. He's also the co-host of the Maintenance Disrupted podcast, which is all about reliability and maintenance, but also the people and technologies that surround them. Each episode is designed to educate listeners through stories with special guests, from technology founders to the technician working on equipment. So welcome, Blair, and thanks for organizing this. Well, thank you so much for having me, Emily. Look forward to this. And next, we've got Charlie K. Matthews, founder and CEO of Empowering Brands. Many of you know Charlie already through Empowering Brands and also through her organization, Empowering Women in Industry, which puts on a yearly conference to honor women in industry. And Charlie is the host of the Empowering Industry podcast. Welcome, Charlie. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to learn from you today. It's always so much fun to partner up with you. And I'm so excited about our guest today. We're happy to have Allison Hawley with us. Allison is an engineer at Tech Resources Limited. Tech Resource Limited is Canada's largest diversified resources company. Now, the mining and metals industry is definitely male-dominated, and I think we are all excited to learn a little bit more about it and delve into some of the deeper issues that women can experience in the industry. So, Allison Holly, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start at the beginning. I heard your mom is a Zamboni driver. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I told her that made it into the notes, and she was very excited. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? Yeah, so she works at the local rec center here, and she's the one that keeps care of the ice in between hockey games. So maybe not so much this year, but yeah, that was an exciting career move for her. (laughs) I think the connection is you're in Canada, so it's cold, there's hockey games, there's Zamboni drivers, and there's the mining industry. How did you find your way into the mining industry? What was your start? Is it something you grew up with? Yeah, so I'm a third generation miner. My dad and his dad were both in mining as well. So it was something that I didn't think I would end up in, but it was a natural fit once I started working in it. So that's so interesting. So you grew up watching your grandfather and your dad in this industry and you never thought you would do it. Is that because they did they encourage you not to do it? No, quite the opposite. And that's kind of where I got the foot in the door is they encouraged, you know, at least do it while you're in school, it'll pay for schooling, it's, you know, good money. And so that's what I was in it for is just to pay my tuition and fell in love with it. So I stayed. So you got into school and you were studying something completely different or did you go ahead and tell us what you studied? Yeah, so I'm a mechanical engineer by trade. So I definitely have the opportunity still to leave the mining industry but it also has a really big role in mining as well. Okay, so you started out in mechanical engineering in college then, Mm -hmm. and you were thinking you're going to get into what? What was your plan? 
I had no plan. <laughs> this was a Hail Mary. I'm just going to go to school and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us. Yeah, um... <laughs> I, think, I don't think that's a women thing either. I think that's a, just a what the heck am I going to do? I got to do something mm -hmm. and let's see where I land, right? Yeah. <laughs> And I think, Allison, I'm also a Canadian as well. So the, the Zamboni and mining, that's like, I know that's specially in your blood, but I think all Canadians have a little bit of that in us. I have my Canada sweatshirt here. It's got Roots Canada on it, so. Oh, excellent. <laughs> okay. All right, so you were in college, Allison, so let's get back to this, because I think a lot of people are interested to know, a lot of our listeners from my podcast are young women, and they're interested in learning more about these industries and Maybe they don't know what to study in college and how to get on the right path. So you're doing engineering, but you're not sure what you're going to do. So when did it click for you exactly that you know mining is how you're going to get started? It was definitely the summer internships and working in between semesters. So something I encourage everyone to do because you really don't know what you're going to like and what you want to do until you've experienced it. So I did a few things outside of mining as well, and I tried out a few different industries and I learned a lot about the type of work that I like, not just the industry as well. And it's something that you don't have the same flexibility on once you've graduated, you know, at that point you need something stable and you don't want to spend as much time job hopping, but in between semesters, you have a set amount of time. That's when you get to experience it and move on if you don't like it. So highly recommend those internships and co-ops. How did you land that first internship? So. It was in the same company that my dad works for, and it, he sold me on it as the, you can live at home, you can save money, just apply, see how it goes. And, you know, that's really all it was supposed to be about was I was living at home while I was saving for school and it was not supposed to be a career move. <laughs> Emily, I'm curious, what made you love it when you were there? The heavy industry was not something I expected to like, but the stakes are so much bigger when instead of working with a half ton pickup, you're working with a 300 ton pickup. And it's so much easier to understand what's going on when they're not, you know, I'm someone that always struggled with chemistry and the really small things. You make it big and easy to see and it's a lot easier to understand what's going on. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm curious, Allison. So you made that decision so right off the get-go going into mechanical engineering. And I'll speak to myself personally when I went into instrumentation and control. When I first started out at year one, there was four women. And when I graduated, we were down to two, mm -hmm. right? So right off the get-go, you went into, I would say, you know, a trade, as you put it, that typically is male-dominated. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that as soon as you entered? Like, where's all the women at? Right. Or was there any of that even before you got into mining, just at the education level? So I went to a pretty small high school. We only had six people in our math class. So you don't really notice that's only two women in it. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> but I definitely noticed once I got to university. So you walk in and I'm moving to a new city that I haven't really been to before. I don't know anyone here. And I walk into a room of 60 men and three women mm -hmm. and it's intimidating it's about the right ratio yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and same thing the a couple of the girls that i met in the first year didn't stay with engineering they moved on to other disciplines and it is it's a little bit lonely yeah absolutely mm -hmm. now yeah. was there like i guess having the background having an understanding of how things work and you know having a third generation in mining, was it a hard decision to go into that? And the reason I ask is I have two young girls that are, you know, 
way early on. They're still in public school. So they have a long career to go, but they're already starting that. When I grow up, I want to be this, this, and this, right? And I'm still seeing to this day that, you know, traditional women-led careers. And it's interesting, right? And my daughter's like, I really like houses and maybe I can be an interior decorator. I'm like, well, if you like designing houses, why not be an architect? Why not be an engineer, right? Oh, I can do that? Like, yeah. I'm just curious, you know, did you struggle with making that decision going? Because you had to know going in that you are going to be, I don't want to say outnumbered because that stacks men against women. I don't want to do that, but you are going to be a few of the lone wolves that are in this trade. Did you have any hesitation going into that, knowing that? No, I think my parents did a pretty good job sheltering me from what that would be. You know, I didn't really have, you know, as many gendered toys as probably a lot of kids would have at my age. So I don't think I really was aware that it was so heavily male dominated. Right. So a little bit of ignorance is bliss is is kind of there, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Was that a shock for you when you started working? No, I think it happened slow enough over time, starting with, you know, the students in the class and all the male professors that you kind of, you just ease into it and you come to expect that you get surprised when there's a woman in the room and that Mm -hmm. it's just the way that is that it is. And you don't really question it at that age. No, I so I so want to not be surprised that there's another woman in the room. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. so wonderful it's, when you uh, go to that group of women. Oh. To be very candid too, and you know, I've been in industry, all, all industries for 20 years. And it's interesting because if you have a name like myself, Blair could be a male or a female. And there's a few names, and I was recently dealing with a Robin. I assumed it was a guy. Like it was in mining as well. I just assumed, right? I put no effort into it. And then when Robin called. I had to pause for a minute. I'm like, oh, like, you know, it didn't change anything. I just naturally assumed, right? And I was just like, oh, okay, Robin's a girl. Cool, right? It didn't change anything, but it's just, it's funny because I reflected on this before this podcast. I'm like, I just made an assumption. Robin is a guy because it's in maintenance and reliability. It was actually in mining. You know, I pictured this. And I also pictured who Robin was, this big bearded dude, a man's man, just killed a bear in the back of his truck. Right. <laughs> but I was completely off. Right. Maybe the woman Robin did that too. Who knows? <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Allison, can you walk us through your career a little bit? Like what were some of the roles that you had in mining? Yeah. So I started as a co-op doing a few different things, mostly in more of a pure reliability standpoint, moving into some of the internships that I had more through the university were in research and safety innovation. So a lot of work on how do we keep people safe in underground mines from diesel particulate and other realities in that space. And coming back after graduation, I've been more focused in real-time monitoring. So how do we remotely understand how our assets are running, when something is going to go wrong, how do we prevent it? And it's definitely more of a technology career than I would have expected coming out of mechanical, but um, very heavily into software and monitoring now. So I wanted to just comment because I'm curious if you have been in the underground mind yourself. I did. Yeah, I've been in a couple. I didn't spend a ton of time there. That was all just me putting together the papers for our PhD fellows. But yeah, underground wasn't for me. Yeah, but I'm glad that you have that mechanical background. If you're, you know, working with us on IIoT and and figuring those two pieces out, I think it's critical right now. Mm-hmm. As we're, you know, looking at the industry and your background and and kind of being in it, 
being behind the scenes and then looking at the future. I always want to know, and we've written a piece on this about how mining can be sustainable. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. So my thoughts are a lot around people. A lot of what I do kind of outside of work is how do we get more women into STEM? And part of my pitch has always been, if you care about changing the world, you need to be in the places that it needs to be changed. You know, a lot of people will get their reusable grocery bag and all of that is important. But what's even more important is for the people to care to work in the companies that in the industries that need the most work, especially working for a company like I do now that wants to be different and wants to put the money into sustainability. You need to have the right people in those conversations. It's really easy to get lost unless someone is bringing it to focus on a regular basis. So my part in maintenance is pretty small, but I am just glad that we have the right people working in that company. Yeah, I heard. I mean, I love this. I love that. I mean, we do need to bring a diverse group of people so we can solve some of these problems. I know that Steve had told me that you have a Tesla. And so I've heard that they are now going to have these, you know, fleets of trucks and mining is one of those areas where we can put those to work for us and see how we can improve things in that regard. But in your everyday, let's say we do have a group of people who are, you know, focused and it sounds like your company is. What are the small things that are being done to really make a difference that you're seeing? Yeah, so the small things in day-to-day conversations is really about setting priorities. So when there are five trucks that need to be fixed, how do we prioritize the ones that have environmental concerns? Whether it's a leak, how do we make sure we get to that leak right away so that hydrocarbon doesn't go to the ground? Or if it's efficiency, so okay, so this truck is currently running, but it's burning fuel at a really inefficiently. We know that that puts more greenhouse gases into the air. How do we prioritize that truck over some of the other, maybe more cost and productivity related issues? So having people that care in those day-to-day conversations is really important. Yeah, so the maintenance and reliability side of what we're talking about here, which makes sense, Blair, this maintenance disrupted podcast. So As we look at that and look at bringing in people, we know that it is a male-dominated field. And so we have to kind of form these groups for women in the industry. And Emily's done a great job with Hazard Girls, which I remember her calling me a Hazard Girl once. And I thought, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. So there is this group of women who love, like you said, the big equipment. I mean, I love seeing the trucks and the pumps on my side. And it's just phenomenal to be able to meet somebody who you know, knew that they wanted to go into a field like this, not what industry or what you were going to do, but okay, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to make a difference in the world. And I think you probably, you know, found this sustainability side or this asset management side, including the people. What are you doing in the, I guess, recruiting or, you know, bringing women together on your side? Yeah. So I actually participate in a program that the tech HR group has put on which is reaching out to high schools, making sure that they have good representation for what does women in STEM look like? Who are these people? Yes, the real people, putting a face to that name and showing them what the day-to-day looks like. So why should they be interested? What benefits does it allow them in terms of lifestyle and the work satisfaction and getting that exposure to a lot of women that wouldn't have it, especially really young girls? 
Yeah, it reminded me of what Blair said about his daughter. You know, that is perfect timing to start talking to her um, and letting her know that these careers are out there. And it is, it's natural for us to, you know, want to be in things that interest us. So how do we get that interest there for our girls? I think is definitely what we were doing in schools. My son is in 10th grade and he's now having to make a decision. What do I do with my elective classes? That I think is a key time to you know plug them in and let them try some of the things like you were saying, don't wait till the internship at college. Let's do that a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Allison, I'm curious about something. I know in certain industries, like in the construction industry, studies have shown that having a more diverse workforce and more women in general is really helpful to the bottom line if these companies are making more money. Is is that something that you found that the mining industry has been focusing on as far as like convincing stakeholders to increase diversity because it's beneficial to the company? Yeah. So tech has been really proactive, I'd say probably in the last five, maybe even 10 years of actively recruiting more diverse candidates. And that's not just women, that's diversity in all fronts. And knowing that a lot of those gaps are because they don't exist. You can't have a 50% female workforce if 50% of people aren't going into university. So that's where tech has put a lot of focus in more recent years into the high schools, because if they want to be a more diverse workforce, they need to start younger. And I think that's spot on, Allison. Good for you for involving yourself in STEM, because that's where I've seen is we're not going to change, you know, specifically the gender diversity overnight. You're not going to get someone that has spent 40 years outside of industry and then come into industry. It's just not going to happen, right? So we're not going to see that change overnight, but putting them on that right career path of making it available to women as an option as they're growing up to say, hey, getting involved in STEM, whether it's, you know, as you said, any part of STEM, right? I think that is what's going to bring that diversity up through the chain and then eventually get more women into our industry. Mm-hmm. You made me think of something because we're talking about STEM and I like to say STEAM as well because they include the arts, which includes fashion and marketing, in my opinion. And so, you know, Emily with the stylish safety boots and then I don't know, Allison, I'm curious about kind of your attire and everything there in the mining industry. What is it like? What do you have to wear? You know? uh, especially being in coal. White is a luxury that I, (laughs) since working from home, I have taken to. It's really just about how do you not wreck your clothes? That has been my goal is if you buy all black, you're going to last a lot longer. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Love it. For the Hazard Girls podcast, we interviewed some geologists that were down in the mines in a different mine in Utah. And their boss, their big, big boss, I think, they they said, heard the podcast because we talked about gear a little bit. And then he said, okay, we want everyone to test out all this gear. So they have been in the process of just like testing out gear, finding gear that fits them. So it's great to see that companies are making those efforts. Do you know anything about what's going on with the gear in your area? It's definitely something I'm not as exposed to. I work primarily in the office. So, you know, finding work boots is the only struggle that I have. I can't buy them in town. They don't sell boots small enough here. (laughs) So I'm probably, I get protected from that a little bit by having an office job, but it it doesn't affect me as much. But I know that we have an almost 50-50% or 50-50 women dominated in our operators at this point. So that's something that they I've heard some things. <laughs> can, can we just say that? So like, can we say there, Emily, like 50% I know, of I your... Like... <laughs> I 
what? Yeah, so I can't speak for all of the mines, but the one that I just recently left, yeah, their operators were uh, recruits for almost 50-50. They had a lot of female operators. That's incredible. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah. Well, coming up through the industry, did you encounter the old boys thing? Did you encounter certain challenges that you want to talk about? Yeah, so it's almost hard to talk about because a lot of it's very subtle, right? No one is sitting there telling you, well, you can't make that decision, you're a woman. It's hard to pick up on sometimes of what kind of gets let go. For me, a lot of it was the types of projects that I'd get put on of there's three people less senior than me. Why am I doing the office renovation? (laughs) Right? Like there's some of those are really subtle and it's hard to spot. And a lot of it feels like you don't know if you're making it up because you're there by yourself. You're the only woman. You don't know if your experience is valid. And that's what I've really struggled with is the more women that I do meet in mining, the more I realize that maybe I did have more problems early in my career than I acknowledged, but it's hard to look on that retroactively with a critical eye. Yeah, that's an interesting point. That subtlety point is, again, I don't see it, but there was those little things, those little minute decisions that are made. Like, and I think that office one is a probably more traumatic one, but you know, it's those little decisions that probably add up and, you know, good enough for you to be able to have that strength to continue on and not letting it get to you because I'm sure you had time to reflect and go, wait a minute. <laughs> that wasn't right. I was overlooked for that and things like that. So was good. there like a critical time where you were trying to get something done that kind of clicked with you? Like, why is this impossible for me to move something forward? I mean, what made you think, was it like an event or something like that? There's been I so many times that I have like, this is very clearly the right thing to do. This is my pitch. Why is, you know, these key one or two people not buying into it? And it's usually not until another woman in the area says, it's not going to happen. <laughs> You're going to need to pitch it to someone else. And those kinds of, you know, hushed conversations off to the side is usually like, that's what it takes for me to connect the dots. So I have not been good at spotting it myself, which I'm trying to pay attention to more actively, but that's what it's always been for me is not seeing it, internalizing that as well. It must be that I am wrong. It must be my pitch. And not until you have that community of other women saying, no, we haven't been able to get our ideas across either. And seeing some of the usually not so great ideas from some men go go through through and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is not in my head. This is a real issue and not really being able to do much about it other than just using other avenues. Yeah. And I think also like as you grew up, you know, you weren't faced with those challenges. You know, we tell our daughters they can do anything and, you know, we don't say that this is, you know, what the field is like. And hopefully it won't be like that forever, but, you know, they definitely need a peer, somebody, a support group. And I think that's what we've noticed is Mm -hmm. we're in this group and we don't really have somebody to say, am I doing this right? Or, you know, we just don't, we want to feel so smart and on and, you know, we're doing our best and, you know, no errors. And sometimes it's just, I mean, it was a great job. You're beating yourself up for something that you had no control over. And a girlfriend's going to be able to tell you that for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just realized I'm shaking my head. Like I agree with you, like, you know, (laughs) yeah, wait a minute. (laughs) You can hang with the girls, Blair. No problem. You're doing a great job today. (laughs) That's right. 
I'm curious, Allison. So you mentioned this, and as you're talking, I'm reflecting just on what I can remember. And you know, I've had it happen before, but I've had it happen to both sides where we're saying, hey, this person will listen to you pitch this idea. Now, whether I'm just more bold and yell louder, but I'm curious. So in my job, and I've always focused on tech and specifically, you know, getting tech to actually get implemented, right? And it all comes from an idea. So, you know, I've seen a lot of projects go through. I've seen them fail, even getting past that pitch point. Have you seen any or challenges, and you've mentioned it, like where a man's idea would be heard and implemented different than a female? Is it perceived different right from the get-go? If you come with the same idea as say I did to whoever tried to pitch the same idea, do you think there would be a, an issue there? It's usually people dependent. Like I've been really lucky, like as much as, you know, it's important to highlight some of the challenges, I've been very lucky to have a lot of allies around me. So most of the time I am talking to those people that I work for directly. They hired me because, you know, they've handled some of those internal biases that they have. And so most of the time I've been lucky. And when I haven't been, it's usually in those meetings with people that are outside of our group that I don't work for directly. And I say something and mm-hmm. it's like, hmm, hmm. And then someone else says the same thing. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, no, that's a good idea. And you're like, excuse me? Right. <laughs> that That's usually, that's the way that I've seen that challenge in the past is like needing to wait for a man to echo my voice sometimes. And again, it's not often, it's key individuals that are not those allies that I try to work with. It's just reality sometimes. Yeah, and I think it is reality. And I think, you know, it, it does go both ways as well. If you go back to the study that, it was in the U.S. military, and I forget which division that, you know, more people got promoted based on their looks, based on if they had the, you know, that typical square jaw and things like that versus, you know, the same intelligence capability doesn't necessarily have that look. So I think we see it across many different things, right? But I think, you know, the challenge is, you know, I'll give you that Robin example, right? I just automatically thought it was a guy. So I'm curious. So as you were getting your feet wet, so you went to school, you did these co-ops, which I agree is very beneficial. One, it helps pay for everything, right? So you can continue going to school, but it gives you that experience. And and I often say is, you know, you get to learn what you don't want to do for a very short period of time. Like that sucks. Mining, woo, (laughs) I'm not going into that, right? And then did you have any female mentors in industry that you were able to learn from? Someone that's, you know, cut their teeth saying, you know, you're going to face this. It's the reality. This is how you deal with it. Did you have any mentors like that growing up or did you have to carve your own path? The path was definitely already carbon before I started. You know, Not that there hasn't been improvements since I've started, but when I got into mining, I was not the only female there. Mm-hmm. So I did have those people that you know, I were able to look up to and get a little bit of advice from at least their struggles. And one thing that I've noticed is how quickly that advice has become outdated. So Mm. when I started, it was, you know, you got to be one of the boys a little bit. You got to just accept some of the jokes. Absolutely. And just tolerate it. And that's no longer the advice that I give to the next generation. Mm. You don't tolerate it. You don't need to be one of the boys. You're your own person. It's changed quite a bit in just the last Mm -hmm. 10 years. So there's a very personal question. So when my daughters get a bit older, can I get them to reach out to you? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Please. Because <laughs> that, that's exactly the advice. Just you don't tolerate, right? And we, we are a kind of a tolerating people. Well, yeah, it's just the way it is, right? There's going to be some 
crude jokes or humor. And, but I think there's, and I'll give experience to myself, and I got haze when I went into industry, you know, get the left-handed wrench, the bucket of steam, the wire stretchers, things like that, right? And I walked around the whole shop, hey, I need the wire stretchers. And they would chuckle, oh, go ask Bill. And I walk around, Bill, I need the wire. Obviously, wire stretchers don't exist, right? So I did get haze from that point, which I still mm-hmm. think as long as the man, <laughs> woman and a man get hazed the same way, right, and treated the same way, then it's fine, right? But there is that line to simple jokes. But I'm seeing definitely... You know, a lot's changing in our industry. I remember, you know, we always used to say sales were done on the golf course. That's not happening anymore. And of course, all the male dominated events and things like that. And the way someone described me when I went into this was you're going into an industry that's full of no hair and gray hairs. And I think that's so true because you walk by and you look at the the experts that are out there, right? They're either no hair, or gray hair, right? And I think, um, you know, that's starting to change. I just want to comment on what you said about kind of that hazing. And I do believe that there's definitely some of that. And also like if it was hard for us, you know, there's a tendency you want it to be hard for someone else. But I think that we need to change that, that one thing, right? That's like, I don't want it to be hard for my sister coming up. I don't want it to be hard for the young professional coming in or the person who's introducing IT, right? So, or IIoT, I introduced social media and it was like, okay, this is never going to move forward, right? And so I think there's a challenge just with something new, but if we could pull them along and help them have a positive even though we did have a tough time. I mean, I have stories after stories that were hard, but I don't wish that on the next person. I do think that there's that, you know, fun, the new person on the job, you know, give them a hard time or whatever, that that's just natural, but it's okay. Is this something that's going to affect their work long-term or their confidence? And that way we can, you know, make sure that we, and I think we will, if we have a diverse group, because you're going to see it differently. And that's what I think the the best part of diversity is, right? We just have all those ideas at the table together. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I think it really comes down to team building, right? And I'll give you an example. My first job was in the in a refinery. So every new, and I think you have this in the mining, Allison, is when you went out in the field, you had a different color of uh, helmet on based on, you know, and I was an apprentice at the time, right? So I had, at this time, was the brightest standout yellow one just like hey don't run over me i'm an idiot right i've never been in this field and what they had me do was go up to this you know 300 foot smokestack there was an analyzer on it and those big smokestacks have an inner metal core then the outside is bricks and there's an air gap right so he said go stick your head in there so i stuck my head in there and not realizing the principle of the air going over top makes a huge suction and it sucked my hat off and it sucked it right out of the stack and then they actually measure the distance so how far you get so every new recruit you know, gets a score of how far that went. So I don't think that, that is hazing. That was actually team building, right? And I actually won. So I was like, yeah, I won. But that, that's an example that uh, I don't think that's gender specific or, you know, goes against learning things the hard way. It's just one of those rituals that helps build that team, right? Yeah. It also tells you you're going to lose your hat if you go up there and do that again, right? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've never stuck my head in a smokestack again. So. Right. <laughs> Also, I'm so happy to hear that the culture is changing and that, you know, as younger people and more women get in there, they're teaching the next generation that they're welcome. That makes me really happy to hear because I know that it's changing in a lot of industries, but it's good to hear that it's happening in mining as well. What would be your one piece of advice to someone coming in, a young woman, say, coming into your industry for the first time? It's probably to find a community. I think that was the biggest difference for me when I went from feeling like it was me versus them or not really knowing my place to just having some common ground of like, even just being able to complain about it sometimes. 
Finding that community of people that have similar experiences to really help you identify when there are biases at place, when your work is with the difference between when do you need to do better and when do the people around you need to do better? Because that's really hard to identify yourself, especially being early in your career. So find those mentors, find that community. They exist in every company. It's just sometimes hard to find them. And do you mean that community within your company? Is that within your company? And if it's too small of a company, find another in other areas, right? There's plenty of online groups between lean in. I can't remember some of the other ones, but they're out there and find them, find people that you can relate to. So let me ask you and flip that on your head as a man in industry, any advice you would give to me to help, you know, those younger women coming in to our industry? Is there, is there something that you've seen done? Hey, don't do that or do more of this. Is there anything like that, that I should take away? The big one is invalidating experiences. I, anytime that I had questioned, am I struggling with this because of sexism or something else? Mm-hmm. And the men don't see it. And so they'll just say, oh yeah, no, nah, you got nothing to worry about. He's fine. And you internalize a lot of that, especially without that community. So hearing the women around you and their struggles and not telling them that they're not real because they'll mm-hmm. believe you. And that's something that I, I wish more people would adopt is just hearing and not telling. Gotcha. Oh, that was powerful. I appreciate that. that was, yeah. I don't even know how to respond to that. I'm so, <laughs> it's a good place to end the podcast right there. I don't know what else to say. Thank you, Allison. I think the biggest thing is that jokes that men tell each other when oh, there's a, a girl one. nearby. It just, you know, we all kind of like laugh it off, but right. they're not funny. And I think we do it all the time. We do it at home. We do it, you know, we, I think that's the biggest for me is that it's just not funny anymore, right? Like we, we can't just laugh it off. Right. Even like, you know, my husband and my daughter's experience, I have to kind of point it out. Like you might not want her to think that's funny, you know, like exactly. and just be mindful of it in general. I don't know if you want that in the podcast. I just wanted to mention it because it's, it's just so profound for our, our younger girls to know and hear. That actually ties really well to is some of the advice that I got early on, which is let it roll. And I don't encourage the younger generation because you don't need to anymore. But those jokes that I had to let it roll because it's the only way for me to stay in the industry and get by, it's not acceptable anymore. And knowing when to say no and how to shut down those comments is really hard. It'd be better if they just weren't said. (laughs) And not having to be the one to have to deal with it or to one to have to correct that behavior because we're not the ones exuding in. Yeah, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Just stop saying it in the first place. And then that's right. That's interesting. Do you guys feel like I see it from the outside, but maybe this isn't true, but in like the, those type of things are the rate of which it's changing is exponential. Maybe this is because of the media, but the Me Too movement and everything that drove that, like that was obviously an extreme case of what drove that. But I think that really did push a lot of the understanding through even through the male dominated industry up to the CEO level going mm-hmm. oh boy right those type of things so are you noticing a change at the rate i'm seeing things just from the outside looking in or is it slower than what i'm seeing it's not fast enough <laughs> yeah yeah i think there's boundaries like we've created our own boundaries as women like that we're like okay that joke might be fine this one is not fine right like that is too far 
we understand our boundaries a little bit better and have to set them. So it is better, like Allison was saying, if a man says, hey, man, that's not right, you know, like versus me saying it. it's stronger. Mm, right. It's it's like peer to peer. Right. And and you see each other, you know, that person's like me. And so it's a bit stronger. But I will say that I'll give an example. There was a time where, you know, a president became a new president, came up to me and I was sitting by the old president and they said, you know, is that what I get for president? You know, now that I'm the president and like rubbed me on my back and I was like, quiet, you know, and like, like I couldn't respond. It took me years to respond to that. And I'm not sure I've shared that publicly, but that once I told a man that cared He took it back to the people and said, you know, this is not a culture that we want to have here. And then explained it to people. They didn't like, you know, send him to jail or, you know what I mean? Like, but they explained like, you're affecting that girl's ability to work. You know, she's uncomfortable when you're around now, you know, whatever that just a little comment like that. It was like, I didn't want to work with them. I didn't want to be near them, but I liked him before like he did that. And so I tried to like keep that relationship going. And so it's just, I know I would speak up now and I hope that we've taught our girls that they should at least say something in that moment that really the guy, the other president is the one that should have said something. Right. Like, right. That's the best example I can give. Yeah. 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 And I, none to that extreme, but I can think of a dozen similar situations where someone made a comment that had nothing to do about my quality of work or who I am at work and very much inappropriate and not something that helped me, right? It puts me in a position where do not see me as a peer (laughs) and putting those doubts into your head that it's hard to get over and hard to work with those people again. Like you said, like you have to put in an effort now to continue working with them because you do like who they are most of the time. Mm -hmm. That's really, that's been challenging. And it, it adds to that. It is harder to be a woman in industry because you have these extra stresses that men don't need to worry about. They don't need to worry about whether someone is sexualizing them at work or not. (laughs) That's yeah, Yes, exactly. We are seeing a number of women start to, you know, take on, board director's role, uh, the, the CEO of GM now is a woman. So I think we will start to see those changes. And I do believe it's not, she's never there because she's a woman, because she is the most qualified in what she did during the pandemic. I'll actually think it was really good, but you know, I think that is what we got to start judging people on. I don't know if we ever get the point because you know we're hiring at UE Systems. And what I try to do is look at the resumes just from experience down. I don't read the name. I just go, oh, this person is qualified, right? But I do have in the back of my head that we do have to diversify. So I'm like, am I trying to hire a woman just because, or now am I, you know, you know those, those type of things. I'm like, am I doing that because I want to hire a woman versus a man or those type of challenges I get into, right? And just debate in my head, right? If I'm doing the, the right thing or not, right? So I'm, and, I'm trying to do it based on content of the work, their experience, their ability to learn, those type of things, right? Yeah. And that's one of those pieces of advice is that I've changed what I give over time where I used to to be a woman in industry, you have to be better than the men. That was my reality when I started and the advice that I gave early on. And that's changing. Why can't we be average? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I want to be average. (laughs) Just want to do the job, not 10 people's job. Yeah. Yeah. So when we're hiring people on, yes, we need to make sure we're hiring women. But if a man and a woman are equal, do you hire that woman because she's a woman to bring that diversity in because she is bringing something 
that that man is not if you're a team of all men. But yeah. it is just something that's changed as far as how I look at resumes of women. I'm no longer overly critical of them because right. I can accept average out of women where I used to not be able to. <laughs> I love, I love that line that she said. She said, if a man and a woman is equal, then you would pick the woman because she's bringing something a little different to an all male team. And mm-hmm. I think that said it pretty clearly. Well, you've really moved up through an old boys club. You've made your way in this industry. It's very inspiring. I think there are a lot of young women out there who are looking for career ideas and they're, or they've heard of mining, but they don't even know where to begin to start getting involved in it. Maybe they're in college and they're studying these things and they, but they are like one of the few women in their program. I think it's amazing for them to hear your story and to learn from you and women like you. So thank you for being such an inspiration. Thank you for being here with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks Charlie and Blair for co-hosting today. That was really fun. My yes, pleasure. I enjoyed it. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.